back and look at those if you haven't already. But we'll get started with part three right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. All right, well, this is a very special part three and part four that we're going to be doing, bringing Paul Young back, and um, I've got more questions for him than ever before. <laughs> but, Paul... I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> well, before we jump in, uh, I do want to just ask, uh, is there anything that's been on your heart since we talked last time that you want to just kind of dive into? I'd rather you go ahead and dive into something. If you've been uh, pondering something with the Lord, I'd love to hear what you're, what you're thinking right now. Uh, I woke up this morning thinking about an Isaiah verse, and it goes something like, there's a hymn about this, and it's, you know, you will keep them them in perfect peace Mm -hmm. whose mind is stayed on you, you know, and stayed just means rooted, grounded, focused. It's like, you know, so much coming at us right now that we need a reminder to stay focused, you know, because everything's an invitation to freak out. And, and it's like, no, no, let's just stay focused on being loved, you know, uh, because perfect love casts out fear. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. And there is no fear in love, which is a pretty fantastic theological statement. You know, if God is love and there's no fear in relationship to love, a lot of our theology is then at risk because we have a lot of (laughs) fear-based theology. Well, and, and I'll even say that for me that uh, if I'm walking in that perfect love, which I think we're all on that journey to get there, you know, to walk in that perfect love all the time, that uh, there really is nothing to fear at any time because we understand, I, at least I believe that I'm an eternal being and I've been engaging with the Father for so long now that in this way of just uh, stepping into the heavens for me, that I really, I'm so much more comfortable with the idea of transitioning if I were ever called to do that, you know. Um, now, I say all that, and it's like, I haven't been in that position yet. So, uh, and I don't really want to be tested in that necessarily either. <laughs> you don't get grace for something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, at least in the process, or as I'm in the journey right now, I have so much more peace in this journey than I did before. Too. Yep, Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So, um some questions that I've got. One of the things that you said um, in part two was, you know, you said a line from the Holy Spirit. And you said, my freedom does not give me the right to rip someone through the bars they call home. That really... Of of the prison they call home. Yes. Yes. Uh, And that really hit home with me because, again, in my days where I was uh, very, you know, had a religious spirit and was going to convert everyone to Jesus, come hell or high water and all that, uh, I, you know, I would do that. I mean, I would literally try to convince them, uh, torment them. And, I, you know, I, even as I say that, it pictures of people come to mind that I really pressed hard trying to manipulate them into making a decision for Jesus when they weren't ready. Yeah, and understand, too, that it's not just... A religious thing and and motivator it's also you've seen something and and even in the fear that a lot of us grew up in we saw something we saw something beautiful and 
and we wanted other people to experience. Then, you know, because I grew up in the same kind of world you did. So, you know, the hellfire damnation thing and their blood will be on your hands and all those other messages that we got didn't help. And right. uh, so, so we constantly moved away from human relationships towards dehumanizing people as targets. So it wasn't about the relationship. It was about whether we could get them uh, to do the magic and join, join the group. Yeah. 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 And, and so now even taking that further to the point where, um, you know, I've got this freedom that I, I walk in now. I could do the same thing trying to press someone into understanding that there's so much more freedom when in reality they want to stay and they are comfortable yeah. in their religious bars. And yeah. I could be doing the same thing if I'm not careful. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not browbeating. It's not, you know, your critical thinking skills, your, your mastery of language to convince that changes people. And yeah. um, it's, it's actually kindness in the presence of love. And if they can see an incarnation of hope in you, it, it will challenge the areas that are without hope in them. Um, yeah. if, if they see a wholeness in you incarnationally, not because you're trying to, but because it's the way of your being uh, matching the truth of your being, yeah. then, then if they, you know, that wholeness is a challenge. It's, it's prophetic within itself. And um, it's just like somebody asked me about the protesting that's going on. And, and I said, you know, part, part of my protest is to love Kim well, my wife, and, and to, to do the garbage and, and to do it, uh, you know, with, do it with all my strength, do it, do it willingly because, yeah, you know, and, um, and there are little incremental protests against darkness and against dehumanization and whatever, because there's a lot of things that I can't do. And, and frankly, uh, we get, we get so overwhelmed by crisis fatigue. Hmm. Um, and I think 2020 has been loaded with it. Yeah. And also compassion fatigue, because it's like, yeah, there's injustice in the world, no doubt about it. And, and, and you can track its perpetration. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and I, was, I was born into a dominant group, you know, white male. And, um, and so what do I do, right? That kind of thing. And it's, and, and it's not that different from the religious zeal that tries to convince somebody. Yeah. It's, and, and actually, if we're not careful, we can become violent. And so that's why that little phrase is really powerful for me. And that is, my freedom does not give me the right to rip someone through the bars of the prison they call home. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want anything that is precious to them to be less precious to them. Now, so let me just throw this at you, I guess, with a little bit different twist. Um, so somebody that's close to you or a family member that's there with you all the time and becomes challenging because mm -hmm. of the bars that they call home <laughs> yep. or the prison that they call home. Um, I mean, what would you do in a case like that where, you know, everybody around for the most part is kind of made a little miserable because of the one person who doesn't want to come out of those bars? Yeah, so it's, you know, and there's no formula to this or else we'd be back in some kind of religious training and conditioning. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's like 
so what how does love respond in this situation and and it doesn't respond by oh i have an agenda to try to change their mind because <laughs> you know the kind of conflict that gets into unless the holy spirit sponsors it and yeah, and then yeah, and, yeah. and you know it's like jesus could stand up to the pharisees and really challenge them and really at at times but he he did so in a way that they felt free enough to come see him in the middle of the night. Yeah. Right? There is yeah. something about the way he communicated truth that even though it was such a confrontation and he he out of love wanted to tear down, you know, the system that they were locked inside of for their own good, let alone for the what the perpetrations against human beings was accomplishing through their religious indoctrination. Yeah. But and so the you know, whoa, whoa, whoa is is really not damn you it's not a judgment in that sense it means stop just stop and so there is that but you know i i have to trust that the holy spirit has come to do the exposure and the convicting of sin righteousness and judgment not my job just not my job and hallelujah yep yep <laughs> and um and so Part of it is to give me the eyes to see so I don't judge anybody according to their presentation and performance, according to their flesh, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's what Paul says. I judge no one according to the flesh. That is, I see the truth of who they are regardless of whether they see it or acknowledge it or not. Yeah. And I'm going to relate to them based on the truth of who they are, which means you got to let a lot of stuff go, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, for me, what I've found is I've stepped further and further into learning how to love myself well, that when I do love myself well and I am confident in who I am, that that sometimes annoying person can come along and there's a new grace there. There's a new anointing to actually enjoy them. That, yeah. That's what I have found, that I can actually enjoy people that uh, have annoyed the heck out of me in the past but I can enjoy them now because I've actually learned how to love myself and I'm not throwing up all these walls with everything they're, they're doing. I'm not triggered with some of the stuff that they say or do. Right. Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, our triggering comes from uh, taking on a false persona, a false identity. And it's like when you get two people who don't know who they are, you're going to end up with a war because everybody is self-protecting and self-promoting and, yeah. and fear and shame drive those things. And, and so if I, I, you know what? I've been having this conversation about Soren Kierkegaard the last couple of days, who is a who is a long distance mentor. You know, he he died in 1855, and I was born in 1955. So we're mm. you know, there's a little gap there. Right. But but he, but he has influenced us all. He's affected us all. And yeah. and one of the things about Kierkegaard, he was Danish. He um, was absolutely pummeled by by the presence of Christianity as a backdrop to culture. And mm. he, he wanted to bring, um, and he called it Christendom, that backdrop. And he wanted to bring, bring Christ, he wanted to authenticate Christianity as opposed to Christendom. And, uh, and when you do that, you're going to end up challenging everybody. So for a couple of generations, nobody named their children Soren because of him. They, wow. he, had, he was so maligned. And and but we get terms like, you know, um, walk the talk, or leap of faith, or being authentic. Those are all Soren Kierkegaard. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's influenced us greatly, both in psychology and philosophy and theology. And, and um, he was all about how we can gain identity from a group. And he's saying, no, you as an individual, uh, it's, how, it's the authenticity you have as an individual that is far more important than any group you will ever associate with. And, and so he was talking about, oh, well, now I'm part of this church or I'm part of this religious organization. And now I begin to build an identity that's a, a herd mentality. That's right. Soren Kierkegaard, right? <laughs> and, um, and so it's like, here we are. I have an identity based on who I'm associated with, and now I can, I can identify my enemies because they're not identified with the group. Or I can let the group do the heavy lifting. And yeah, you know, this reality, it doesn't actually be working for me, but I can, I can gain a sense of value based on what the group's doing. You know? And I mean, he spoke in Denmark in the 1800s. He died at 42. And, and he, his stuff is probably more relevant today in the West and in Christendom in the West, not as a state church thing, but as a, a backdrop for, for, you know, people say, well, yeah, well, I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a Christian, you know? And it's, but it, it, it doesn't match with the person of Jesus. It's just yeah. because it's, you know, how we've identified ourselves. So it's a false persona. Yeah. Well, so here's, here's another question then. Um, <laughs> is anyone losing out? Just period. Is, is, is anyone losing out? And if so, what are they losing out or missing out on? And this kind of comes in the context of, uh, you know, that freedom. You know, if we're trying to get someone saved or out of their bars, you know, yeah, it's like, why are we yeah. trying to do that? What are they missing out on? They are missing out. And, and not only that, they're perpetrating harm. And, and I can speak for myself, yeah. you know, it would, be, it would be like Paul. So any, at any time in your life, were you missing out? Yeah, like in major, major ways. And not only was I missing out because I, I didn't know how, even now, I'm, I still have a lot of finish work to do. And so, you know, even now I'm missing out in that sense. In terms of how God sees us, he sees the beginning from the end. So he's both incarnate within time space, but also outside because time is a created thing within the Trinity, right? And so he sees the beginning and the end, and he sees the truth of who I am. And so the timing of that process is exactly inside the care, yeah. Um, yeah. not inside the planning, because we have the power to say no to love and resist it. And, and if, if God had a perfect will, it would require a perfect response. Right. And so we've mm -hmm. screwed up the will of God a long time ago, if that's what it is. <laughs> and and so the will of God doesn't work like that. It's not like some mathematician who's got a who's because if, if that was true, God would be constantly in a state of anxiety and and, you know, perturbed and and just wringing his hands going like. With, with 8 billion of us going all over the place, it's like, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, and they're all making choices all the time, you know. So, so yes, we're, we're missing out. And, and, and that's not a, that's just a statement of fact. There, there's no value to that statement in terms of saying, well, shame on you, you're missing out. It's like, yeah, we're missing out. And, and when you begin 
to have areas of your life um, infiltrated by truth and life and goodness and and a reconstruction of doctrine, for example, that has been um, dysfunctional. And you begin to taste some of the things that you have not been able to see before. You realize how much you've been missing out and you become sensitized to the impact that you have that's harmful in, in the world of humanity. And I think that's partly the work of the Holy Spirit and our participation with our healing journeys. That's so, good. Yeah. That's good. Well, um, we're already halfway through this this time here, so um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to dive into this uh, even a little bit further. Um, you know, are we missing out and what are we missing out on? Because I, I have some some other questions, some deeper questions. So Perfect. we'll be back right after this. An ecclesia is family doing kingdom business. When you join an ecclesia with Kingdom Talks Media that is going through the Ultimate Impact series, this is what a typical week might look like. During the week, you'll watch the Ultimate Impact teaching videos based on that week's topic. Each video is about 10 minutes long, followed by a time for you to shift focus into the heavenly realm, allowing Father to guide you into further revelation. Once a week, you'll gather with your Ecclesia group in person or most likely through Zoom conferencing to typically do two things. One, relate with each other as you share insights about that week's topic. And two, shift focus into the heavenly realm as an Ecclesia to practice engaging Father together. Week after week, you and your Ecclesia will gain new perspectives through the teachings, discussions, and your experiences individually and together in the heavenly realms. All right, we're back with Paul Young. Looking forward to uh, diving in a little bit deeper because just before the break, I was talking about um, missing out. And I, I like the way you put it because, yeah, we're, I guess we're always missing out uh, of something. I want to bring it back around to... You know, we've used that in the past in evangelism that, uh, you know, if you, well, it's not just missing out, but you're going to burn in hell forever. Yeah. Um, so if, if we mean by missing out, you're separated from love. I don't believe that at all. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, I mean, there's actually two different ways. And, and you took the question one direction, which is really good. I like that. Um, and then the other one is, um, yeah, that we would be missing out on something that we'll never get back to. Uh, that to me is what I feel like has been used a little bit as a manipulation, you know, for getting people to do the magic words and all that, but rather to understand that, no, it's all good. Father uses everything for good for those who love the Lord and, and or, you know, so I just want to, want to get people to a place where they understand that it's all good because I, I feel like people have been living, living under condemnation and judgment and, and fear, um, well, con condemnation, judgment, and fear in, that, in those senses aren't good. So it's yeah, not all good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right? So, um, you know, the killing of a, of a child or the killing of a human being, it's not good. Right. And there's, there's a lot of things that aren't good. Yeah. And, um, and in, in terms of the irrevocable, irrefutable love and pursuit of God, that's all good. And, and, and you're never going to escape that. There is, there is no yeah. way you can escape the love of God. 
So in, in that sense, it's all good. But the things that are broken in us have, have to move in the direction of healing. And a lot of it is through fire. And, and that yeah. is not comfortable, but it's very real and necessary. And yeah. um, uh, Brad Jerzak and I just uh, finished a novella together. It just released a week ago. And uh, it's called The Pastor, A Crisis, right? And, yeah. and, and it's not, it's, it's, a, it's a little novella and it's not aimed at pastors, but because they're such easy targets. And that's because this system um, is so monstrously difficult for, um, for how leadership is framed. You know, in the name of transparency, it isolates. In the name of authenticity, you hide. And because you can't take the risk because your job security is connected to performance. And I mean, yeah. the whole thing really is awful. But, the, but in this novella, the pastor represents a human being who has spent a lifetime trying to protect himself from the losses within and right? from the, his own damage. And as a result, he's become a perpetrator himself. And, and the work of the Holy Spirit is to expose that in order to open up a path toward healing, mm -hmm. right? And that's, that's the work of God in our lives is to destroy everything that is not of love's kind. Mm -hmm. God doesn't just want to heal sin. God wants to destroy everything that is not of love's kind. That's the fiery fury of love that is for us. And so, yeah. and so that's, that's all good. But let me tell you, it doesn't feel good when you're in the middle of that, you know, fiery process. Yeah, <clears throat> no, totally, totally get that. I mean, that's sometimes the living hell that we go through here, but that, that to me is even a different living hell than the living hell that people choose to waller in. You know, as they, uh, you know, have a lot of negative thoughts and, and, and just draw stuff to them yeah. that way. But rather, when it's time to move forward in healing, yeah, it's like pulling the thorn from the flesh and, and a few things that don't feel so good in the process. Yeah, yeah we get numb to the hell of, of existence by, by drowning it in addiction or hiding from it or isolating from relationships or things like that. And, and, and it gets normalized for us. So we're not yeah. even aware of it. And, and I think that's why that's the kindness of God that leads to transformation. Some of, you know, I think I said this the other day, but some of us need a wrecking ball and some of us need a, you know, an art restoration person. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> just, you know, cause, and the kindness of God is that if you need a wrecking ball, guess what, you know, and, and, What's, what's really crazy is we often build the house of cards that collapses and our first response is to blame God. And yeah. God's, God's like, fine, you can blame me all you want. You know, you've been doing that long enough. And, uh, <laughs> it doesn't bother and, him. No, I know who I am. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So you, you brought up a, a, a good um, analogy, I guess, you know, the fire of God. Um, you know, we, and I just did the, a show with a, a, a friend of mine. I, I love Jonathan Cavan, and we did sacred cows. You know, take, getting rid of sacred cow, sacred cows, and one of them tipping, was wrapped tipping, around tipping, tipping yeah, sacred cows. <laughs> but Revelation fourteen eleven. You know, okay. the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. Um, you know, verses like that. Uh, I, I don't know if you have anything you'd like to just off the top of your head share. Yeah. In regards to these. Because they've really tormented a lot of people. They really they, have. They have. And part of it is, is you know, we're, we're fairly uneducated anymore in terms of literary devices and literature. Yeah. And ap yeah. apocalyptic literature 
You know, John wrote the revelation of Jesus before he wrote the gospel, right? Okay, and, yeah, yeah. And so what you've got in, in John's work is that, you know, John probably wrote the revelation around 60 AD. This is before the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. And, uh, and what you've got in, in John is that he's doing, he's doing it right. He is drawing from all of history and scripture. And for them, scripture was the Old Testament to right. us. Yeah, right. because it's not what Paul the Apostle was writing at the time. Those were right. epistles and letters to his friends, you know, <laughs> and um, with no thought of, wow, we're writing scripture, right? Scripture was this arc of the prophets in the Old Testament and Moses and all these things. And so, mm -hmm. so John uses a, a, a literary device that was common in the day, you know, this, and, and it wasn't called apocalyptic literature. Yeah. John is the only one um, who, who references that kind. John is the only apocalyptic writer because he coined in that sense, the term right in the first verses of revelation. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to build doctrine out of the book of revelation, you're going to have really a tough time because you better understand what those symbols and mm -hmm. signs are referring to within the whole context of the scripture. Yeah. So, so here John is bringing all humanity who has been steeped in this understanding um, of the scriptures and going like, now let's, let's really see who Jesus is. And then he goes to the gospel and says, this is what it looks like. So if you have judgment and torments and all those things going on in apocalyptic literature, now let's look, like, let's look at what, what it's like in real life. And you have That's to read, you have to read it through the person of Jesus. You can't make, oh, we've gone back to the Old Testament with our mean, angry, vengeful God. And and guess what? You know, because I grew up dispensational and we had the seven yep, yep. years and, and we had Same the thousand here. years where you'd get to be a sheriff somewhere. And um, <laughs> you know, and it and it didn't work. A thousand years <laughs> later, it's like Jesus going, like, well, that was an interesting experiment. <laughs> and uh it's just like how bizarre is that right yeah so so um if you're yeah there is we could go into a long conversation about ionos that the greek word you know that is translated often as eternal as in yes inf infinite time i want to save that for part four okay because it Cause... doesn't mean that Yes, you know? yes. I want to save that for part four because actually I was planning to go there anyway. Now I know okay, where I'm good. planning to go is going to be different where you're talking about, but it's going to, there's some good stuff there. Cool. So yeah. let me just say, and, and did we talk about God as a judge in the early church versus God as a judge that we've inherited? I don't think so. I don't okay. Think. So, so the early church had a view of God as judge and that's what's behind this fire and damnation stuff, you know, and, and frankly, the Catholic church introduced Dante's infernalism as a way to prevent suicides because there was massive suicides in the middle ages and and they asked i mean they got dante to scare the hell out of people so right, that they right. didn't kill themselves right and they made it a mortal sin to commit suicide and all that kind of stuff yeah right during that period of time and we've inherited that but in terms of god as a judge we've inherited that from a bunch of lawyers 
Uh, Augustine yeah. was a lawyer, Luther was a lawyer, Calvin was a lawyer. So you got all these lawyers who created what's called forensic theology yeah. or legal. Yeah, and we did talk about this. We, we did talk about this. But As yeah. opposed to God as a judge who's the great physician. Yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. Yeah. So we talked about that. And and the point of that is, is that it, it it's how you go in. So if you go in looking through the person of Jesus as the revelation of the character and nature of God, you're going to interpret passages completely different. Because yeah. you know what it's not saying, right? And it's and it's it's not saying, well, you're a sinner and we're going to punish you, like as as if you've got, uh, you've got a sin nature. So therefore, you know, we've got to send you to eternal conscious torment. And and what do you do with babies? And what do you do with un, you know, yeah, a lot uh, of unborn babies? And what do you do with people who've never heard? And what do you do with the mentally ill? And and do you reduce the the qualifications in order to have some mercy or do you put in a, an imaginary age of accountability or i mean what are you going to do to try and to those get are all, yeah those yeah. are just some of the hoops that we've had to jump through to take what we've been taught and told and make it fit but it doesn't yeah. really fit <laughs> i i think part of it is that we have to maintain this the reality that we've been so um accustomed to brokenness that we don't understand how corruptive and and destructive it is yeah. so so when apocalyptic literature is talking about the the smoke of their torment going up forever that's about that's a it's it is a symbol of the sign of the destruction of our of the ripple effects of our choices yeah right and Un, it, ungodlike traits and yeah our, our dehumanized uh, ability to damage one another and that is what yeah. god is out to absolutely obliterate and destroy love it love it so we're we're basically out of time but i'm just going to encourage everyone if you want to uh see part four watch tomorrow night um and if you want to get behind the scenes or get other videos that are yet to even be aired and broadcast you can do that on our behind the scenes section, which you can get to through uh, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Go to the big red easy buttons and click on partnerships and do the behind the scenes partnership. So uh, Paul, love having you on here. Thanks. I love our conversations. Honor. It's been fun. So part four, we're gonna talk at least a little bit about um, Ionis, right? Yep. Yep, that's it. All right, Cool. We'll, we'll, be there. we'll be looking forward to that. All right, take care. Blessings, everyone. See you next time. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life Keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.